So in terms of the topic that we are going to be discussing today, we are focused in on storytelling and the importance of that uh, for businesses that are moving more or adapting into hybrid work. And um, so uh, I'm actually going to just very quickly give an introduction to who I am and then I'm going to hand over to Carl. So I am the Chief Commercial Officer at LearnAmp. Uh, LearnAmp is a people development platform helping businesses to uh, get their people to learn, connect and perform better as a result of improving employee experience. If you're interested in what we do, as well as StoryTagger, then definitely get in touch. But handing over to our uh, esteemed guest today, we have Carl. So Carl, do you want to, I know you're going to do a little kind of quick hello and give a little bit of background to, to you and StoryTagger to get us kicked off. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. So my name's Carl Hodler. I, I help people get started with StoryTagger, and I've I've worked in learning for um, nearly 20 years now. We're based down in Brighton, which um, most of you or some of you may know is a little bit of a, a digital learning hub. So, um, you know, I've been I've been in learning for quite some time. Um, and over the last eight years, I've been really focusing on helping enterprise teams curate workplace stories from their employees. Um, and I, what I really love is helping regular people share experiences around what they've learned or how they've solved a problem or, or sharing some knowledge. And what I've found is it can be really transformational for people to have their experience um, kind of wrapped up into a narrative where they can see the value in what they not only bring to their team but to to the organization as well and um i used to do this um as you know joe with um traditional video crew so schlepping yeah. around the united kingdom with camera operators and sound people and just interviewing people in their roles and and it, it worked really well and we got some fantastic content out of it but as um i'm sure everybody on the call appreciates it was really expensive extremely yeah. time consuming and not very scalable or democratic because it's typically only little pockets of people we could we could reach so we had this idea of um you know we were all carrying this amazing hardware around in our pockets why don't we just ask people to record their stories on their phones um i wouldn't need to stay in premier inns anymore and <laughs> um or booking chiropractic be, appointments after every trip yeah and it'd be it'd be happy days but it was it was a terrible idea and it completely failed because without the interviewer there people really struggled to reflect on their experiences um craft a story out of um, something they had um in their head or knowledge that they wanted to share and um we either got completely ghosted by people um or they just shared something that wasn't really usable and and, and that's why we developed story tagger to help teams be able to curate stories at scale from across large global um, organizations um, but from a small central team but being able to get these amazing stories coming in without the need for me staying in premier inn or getting an expensive chiropractor yeah exactly well that's and i i totally get that and you know i, I think i've said it on a few uh, previous podcasts and i used to be an actor myself i totally understand how intentional you have to be about preparation for these kind of things and understanding what the outcome is so uh, the coaching element really speaks to me in terms of um, giving people confidence and, and encouraging them in storytelling so i suppose that the big first question for me is We've talked about storytelling and why it's so important. Why is it so important in hybrid and, and what's happened over the last 18 to 24 months that's just kind of, I suppose, um, increased the need uh, for us to be able to share great, great stories across organisations? Yeah, and I, I, for me, I think storytelling's always been really important in the workplace. And we've been telling stories around how we work, how we do things better, how we kind of improved 
um, how we've done something forever. And I, I remember my one of my first jobs was working in um, in, in a supermarket as, as as a butcher's assistant, and there was loads of safety manuals and stuff like that, which I never read because my manager was such a good storyteller, and he was one of those guys who had a horror story for every piece of equipment in 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 the um, in 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 the, in the uh, gosh, I'm trying to think what I call the it. The abattoir, in the butchery, yeah, in, in, in the butchery. And so um, every time I use, I, I kind of went to a walk-in fridge, uh, used a knife, used the mincer. Um, in my head was burnt in a horror story that he. I'm told. seeing like Final Destination twenty. Oh yeah. my gosh! It really it was it was like that. They were visceral, and, and I remember some of them to my day. And I walked out of there with all my fingers and arms, and and it was you know it was his amazing storytelling that um, really helped me as, you know, a, a teenager um, who was perhaps not that open to reading training manuals to stay safe and, and be able to operate um, within the, um, you know, the safety frameworks of, 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 of his space um, and the company's protocols in, in a safe way. So um, I've always been a real big fan of workplace stories. Everywhere I've worked, there's there's been stories. And I think you know, as we've moved into uh, more digital ways of working, um, especially with hybrid working post pandemic, um, it's it's become more important than ever, really, for people to be able to share them and, and stay connected. Yeah. And I think, you know, we know, for instance, that um, people always say that you remember things much better if you weave something around a story. Right. It was one of the things I was taught in revision when I was kind of doing my GCSEs, yeah. etc. So I think we all know this, but we don't really apply these great practices um, to the workplace. So I think that makes loads of difference. And um, what kinds of I suppose maybe actually if I reflect a little bit on that, you know, some of the problems that we find with really good storytelling, though, is some of the things you said. So it can be really time intensive. People don't have the confidence necessarily, even if it might be just on your smartphone, they don't have the confidence to just talk to a phone and, and share it and get it wrong. So I think there's definitely something around inspiring people, giving people confidence, giving people permission to feel like they can share their voice across an organization. Yeah. These are things that we come up against a lot. So, so how do you make it more cost-effective? How do you give people the time or resource, the confidence, et cetera? Like what was part of your magic sauce, I suppose? Well, I think previously when we were all working in factories or big offices together, those water cooler moments would happen really naturally. Yeah. So, you know, Joe, we could be just chatting about something and you could maybe ask for my advice on something or I'd done something, I'd happily share that with you. Um, but if you suddenly said, hey, Carl, you're now sharing that to 5,000 people across the organization globally, I'd be, I'd be oh my goodness, um, maybe go and ask, to Bob, go and ask Bob over there because he's yeah, probably but... a bit more experienced and capable than me. So, I think th th there's two things there. You, we can't rely on the magic and accidents of water cooler um, moments for people to sort of naturally sort of share knowledge, best practice, innovation across organisations when people aren't working in the same place. And we can't automatically assume that those water cooler moments are going to transition to digital without having to actually um, help that cultural uh, and technological shift across and the skills piece as well. We'll probably talk about that a bit later. So um it's 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 really important to be more mindful about how uh teams curate 
stories really and i think it's you know it's not it's it's not just internal comms or hr and everybody where you have an opportunity to be able to help people connect help people share knowledge help people share experience help people feel as if they're coming together um i think everybody who can play a part in having interaction communications through you know whatever means or messaging has a responsibility to nurture those kind of analog moments of connectivity into a digital space and help people to do that yeah i completely agree and you know even if you go to well we were talking about um organizational design recently in a, in a conference i went to around system thinking like i think people don't realize just how much information is being shared between people all the time it's the lifeblood yeah. of organizations and if that doesn't if that gets clogged in some way then i think that businesses have real issues so Kind of other issues that we've seen as well as around like you know engagement if people don't feel like they've got the opportunity to share their voice that can be a real issue and um, or, or one voice being too kind of prominent you know not decentralizing and having more people kind of being able to contribute and share their expertise and in i suppose um less of a showy way you know some people are very um i think maybe you and me are probably quite comfortable to be in front of a camera and kind of talk and and have our voice heard but businesses are certainly suffering from from that lack of contact or that lack of intentional design about how people can communicate better digitally so what are some of the other problems that you're seeing in terms of, of you know where are businesses suffering now that they don't have really good storytelling or really good and um, yeah kind of knowledge sharing happening across the business yeah well i i think just going back to your point of being a confident storyteller i'm i'm not natural um in front of a camera um i was born to be on video i've kind of learned how to do it and built my confidence through practice um i've kind of got processes and things that i do to help me do this better so it's 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 a learned um skill not 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 a natural one and i think everybody needs to be able to develop better digital communication skills and, and i i think that is where storytelling can really provide um sort of additional value to just getting that core knowledge or experience distributed and shared and kind of extending out of of, of that single voice um and 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 helping kind of democratize it really and, and scale it a, a across an organization i think the um i mean you would typically always start off and, and any social campaign um i did have a brief sabbatical from learning for a few years i was working on really early social campaigns for uh sony playstation channel 4 bbc Ooh. and that those early adopters nurturing those early voices was really important then and it's really important now but as as you pointed out joe you have to have a strategy for being able to bring other people along and and don't leave those solitary voices being the only um people who are who are contributing to the story and when I, I I first started getting interested in helping people share stories and you know I suppose user generated content within enterprise was around um helping um knowledge from stopping walking out the door um we did a project with um, a number of water authorities when we were pre-story tackers as a, as a as a consulting company and they had a huge problem with um you know they, they had people working out in the field they had kind of all kinds of technology um, buried deep underground that maybe only one or two people knew how to fix and maintain. And they knew that a large proportion of their workforce were going to be um, leaving within the next five, 10 years and how to help them share that knowledge, how they do very specific things 
so that other people could pick that up without them necessarily being shadowed by an apprentice or somebody else because there wasn't the resources there to be able to provide that level of um, you know synchronous training. I think that's really interesting as well. I think we talk a lot about this a lot. You know, people are very kind of accustomed to employee retention, but the idea of knowledge retention, I don't think businesses really have a clear strategy for that. How do you get people to collectively soak their wisdom up in a kind of in a process which encourages people and also stores it in the right places, is well governed, is updated, you know, because that stuff is really that is your secret sauce. If they leave the role, if they have COVID, if they um, go to another competitor, then that stuff stays within the business. Right. But often yeah. it's almost a kind of a control thing. People like to hold on to their knowledge or at least they don't have a good way to be able to get that to other people. So, yeah, I completely agree. And I think that democratization opens it up. And it becomes more of an ops sell to a business rather than an L&D sell in some respects. Mm, uh, absolutely. And it's very much a cultural thing as well, because I think often you get, um, you know, knowledge sharing kind of landed in a, in, in a team and they kind of have to shift to kind of doing things differently. Like you say, maybe not holding information personally, but distributing and sharing it. So it's. You know, storytelling helping people think of it in a, in a slightly different way something that's the, the reason that we really love the idea of storytelling it's not such a a tough call to action you know it's not like share this specific information on this machine that you've been doing or this process or something like that so just tell us a story about how you did something better um and that may be somebody who's working out in the field um say in hospitality they've they've got your um onboarding program that you've designed that you've got a certain amount of days the onboarding program takes and you've spotted there's a few people who have optimized that and they're now cutting down the amount of time that that onboarding program takes it's like a huge return on investment for um, for hospitality, especially right now. Um, and being able to have a culture where that's that you support them in sharing that innovation and being able to fast track that out to the rest of your organization. So suddenly within, um, you know, 30 days, everybody is um, shortening those onboarding times by the same amount as those innovators were. Then the return um, on investment for that, activity to the business is massive and it's very it's very quick and, and very distinct as well and I think there's lots of opportunities like that where you build up that culture of sharing through stories um, and, and making it feel a bit more accessible to people who perhaps never thought that they were an expert or they had that domain expertise or they're even doing anything special they're just doing their job and when yeah. I used to go out and film people um, mm -hmm. the amount of time someone would say oh you don't want to talk to me I'm not doing anything special I'm just doing my job um yeah, and it's like fun. well how do you do that job and how do you do it so well well you, yeah uh, imposter syndrome not imposter syndrome that's the wrong word but i think people un um, appreciate how much they've learned over the years and and the little the little learning hacks the little things that they've been able to do something just a little bit quicker or the way that they interact with the customer completely yeah, agree completely. i've just realized we've actually had a couple of questions come in that i've been completely remiss of because i've been so into the conversation so um, one of the questions was and um, well actually maybe this is the best one first are there certain industries that this works better in? So you were just talking about, you know, maybe people that were out in the field or you talked about retail. Is this, um, is this kind of industry specific or does it, does it flow better in certain industries or is it really quite agnostic and it's just about encouraging people to take this on as a skill? Um, I, I would say that it's industry agnostic. Um, I, th I think culture plays a large part in it. So um, organizations who are really 
prioritizing you know curiosity self-motivated learning they've 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 really grasped the nettle of having to um, develop um a lot of what you call people skills soft skills durable skills in their wider workforce um and they are using the organizational culture as a vehicle for kind of you know really nudging people into doing things in a different way helping people sort of push themselves out of their comfort zones um really kind of rewarding um and, and amplifying the value people get back from doing um different things um and and, and sharing in, in in this sort of way that that's probably more important to have the kind of cultural backing to it i mean <sighs> I've seen I've seen it work in organisations where there isn't necessarily leadership buy-in, um, and it's more of a bottom-up kind of thing. I've seen it in organisations where there's that top-down approach. So I, I I think it's very much down to the team deploying it. If they really believe that they can make a difference and they're really passionate about the impact that they can make, and they've got a real personal vision to sort of make that impact, then um, you you can just start chipping away at that culture and, and helping people think about things in a slightly different way it's interesting to say that so uh, example from a customer of ours in the, the start of the first um lockdown he had to move all of their staff out of being in offices and being in frontline stores and, and all the rest of it to moving at home and one of the things when they looked at their tech stack and they looked at LearnAmp was they saw an opportunity for people to be able to share some insights and stories to be able to share experience so that people didn't feel like they were having this thing on their own or they were struggling they could really kind of share that so that they collectively could support each other it had such success and, and one of the things that was great is they started by sharing things that they're used to sharing on instagram and facebook things like smoothie recipes and yoga poses and other types of things they started putting on events that they're kind of run by peers and actually, once they'd done that, it felt so much more natural to start doing that about things in their everyday work life as well, like, you know, certain processes or practices because they got into that habit. And I think it's just habit forming, isn't it? And once you get there, actually, that can get applied. So so some of the strategy sometimes is just get people to do it and realize how natural this is yeah. and just apply it in a slightly different way. Yeah, completely. And, um, you know, it, that I, I, the, we, we were working with a couple of teams, um, sort of more people teams, but who are coming in from that approach. So they've tried to do pieces of um, kind of user-generated user content campaigns to build engagement, connectivity over, over the lockdown. And now they want to be more strategic and purposeful about it and, and start really getting that return, that value from that process by, by using it for knowledge sharing, uh, experience sharing, helping people kept, keep connected. So, you know, around retention, um, supporting onboarding, uh, engagement, as you say, um, stopping knowledge, walking out the door, all of that stuff starts to flow out of people interacting um, digitally in, a, in, in, in slightly more meaningful, purposeful ways. Yeah, totally agree. One, there's another example that reminded me of actually just talking about this, which was, uh, I won't say who, but it's the CEO of a business that we've worked with for a while. And he really liked the idea of being able to distribute, you know, updates and and kind of and align people around the strategy and how it's shifting and changing. But actually we struggled a little bit with the technology. Now, I think we're a really simple tool. We get really great feedback on that all the time. It's intuitive to pick up. But people just need kind of walking through. And there is a bit of a digital literacy piece to this, isn't it? Which is you just need to encourage people that these things aren't getting in the way of just doing the, the normal stuff that they would do. Have you got any particular tips or techniques around encouraging, you know, maybe people at different parts of their career or, 
you know, even if it's not it's not age or generation, sometimes people are just more comfortable with technology than others. Any any thoughts on that? Um, so we we typically don't make any distinction on anybody's age when it comes to sharing this stuff. I don't actually believe that people's age makes any difference whatsoever. I agree. We've 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 had um, you know. Uh, people in their 80s and 90s sharing stories as effectively as young people um you know i think that it really comes down to giving people confidence that their story matters which has always been the case um no one would ever jump in front of the camera willingly without some motivation and support to help them see why their story needs to be or or should be um amplified and shared Um, But also making sure that people feel as if they um, are supported through the whole process. It's going to be easy and quick. Everybody's so busy. Um, You know, the idea of taking time out to do something that on the surface sounds really complicated um, is a a big ask. So you need to be able to reassure people this this is probably quicker than sort of like writing something yeah. yeah all the support is there for them to do it um it's not gonna be scary it's really frictionless and then the value that comes out of it not only to themselves but their team and the organization as a whole is really important as well because um you know when we're pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone sometimes we have to think about where that effort is going to pay off and not just in ourselves but in in, in, in a wider context so i think those okay. kind of key things that we Great. think about I love it. Um, another question that we had, though, Carl, was around, and I think this uh, kind of dovetails really nicely. What other kind of resources or skills do people need to hone their storytelling prowess? Well, I Big mean, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 for, for, for me, I think that if, if I told you a story right now, Joe, um, yeah. you would be able to go and share that story really easily. You just remember it. I kind of packaged it up given it to you and then and then you could share it and we see that happening all the time sometimes coming up with those stories from scratch is 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 quite hard um it's not necessarily something that we've done since we were at school um we're used to receiving stories but not necessarily creating them ourselves and, and when you think that 84 percent of people struggle to codify what they've learned um people really struggle with active reflection um it's kind of constant bugbear of getting people to um, kind of do that purposefully um, as they're learning Um, then attaching a narrative to that as well is 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 really hard so I think giving people structure and the way I think of it is it's like painting by numbers so you you give people all the outlines and the numbers of the colors they could potentially use but they they have the freedom to be able to fill that picture in how how they choose so they give they've, they've got scaffolding guidance but they have autonomy to be able to um paint that picture how how they they want um and that's how i believe enterprise storytelling needs to be to take away any of that friction that difficulty and just give people a model that they can apply their own experience um or knowledge or expertise into and then that is ready to share as um as, 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 as a finished experience for other people to learn from Nice. And I love I love that idea of active reflection. And, you know, we at Learn and personally, internally talk a lot about continuous improvement and and retroing and reflecting on projects or an interaction. You know, we ask people if we were doing something like this internally, we're like, go and give people feedback. They need to know how well it's worked so they have an opportunity to change. How do people you know, are there any tips and techniques about like really good active reflection and how that can benefit? Um, well, I think it has to feel really meaningful and purposeful. And, and I also think it has to be part of 
as, as you say, a behavior that's embedded. So I think it's always really difficult to drop active reflection in when people haven't actually started it before they've, they've, they've begun the learning process. Okay. So I think, you know, typically if we're supporting our customers in say um, a, a program or a um, kind of a classroom, digital classroom based experience, starting at the beginning um, of, of helping people kind of build trust through icebreakers, talk about what they're looking to achieve, problems that they've bumped up against that they'd like to be able to solve in the future. Then that leads into, well, okay, so how is what you're learning or what you have learned helping you in practice better? What is the impact that has made? Um, What advice would you give to other people going into the program? And then it just becomes part of the natural flow and and, and people start recognizing that value really early on. And and it really is, if people have never done this before, it's about baby steps leading them through the process. They can start recognizing the value for themselves. And it doesn't feel like a add-on activity for the benefit purely of the organization. They They can see that value flowing um around all the things that they care about and i think that's one of the things i love about your your kind of proposition and what you guys do we talk a lot about software with a service swas rather than just SaaS, and it's this idea that there is a there's a methodology that sits around technology and how you use it and and people need to be guided into that somewhat as well to to get the most out of it i think so um i think we we very much kind of share a a similar philosophy on that what are some of the other problems that people might might not be so obvious but some of the other solutions i suppose that that storytelling or story tagger give provides organizations that maybe they hadn't thought about before well when we first designed it um we weren't quite sure how people were going to use it because obviously we designed it around the model of where we were going out helping capture knowledge expertise um, advocacy around learning um but once you know you can send this around the world and people can share stories around things that typically they were big you know if you're going to spend 15 20 thousand pounds on supporting a campaign or a program through a big video campaign sending a crew out they are going to be the really high priority um business objectives that are being supported in an organization so when you absolutely remove that cost barrier and the admin barrier and the time barrier we're thinking well what will people do with this? <laughs> um, and, and really, um, it's um, one of the kind of most exciting things for me about releasing um, a piece of technology, if you like, a solution that disrupts how all of that thing happened, was just seeing what people would do with it. And um, our customers are, you know, the, 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 the sort of brightest people kind of out there for kind of working out what StoryTagger can do. And um, it, it gets used in the whole employer journey, employee journey, right from um as uh, organizations using it for onboarding so um there was one um sports brand who used it for onboarding a bunch of um uh, salespeople who were starting and they they told their story around what their first brand experience was as a customer um and they, they used those stories to weave in the mission and values in the onboarding session so everybody felt they were part of the organization before they'd even done a day's Lovely. work there through their customer experience um 
sharing um, onboarding experiences. So talking about some of the challenges people bump up against, where to find resources, um, why certain things are more important to learn than others, to make sure you're not churning new starters, which is like yeah. super um, challenge for um, a lot of organizations right now. So everyone feels as if they're well supported and um, you know, uh, people who've been through that process before are supporting others. Um, There's some crazy stat, it's something like 84% of people decide within the first two weeks if they're going to stay beyond six months so like really wow okay huge yeah and and being able to hear from other people who've been through that experience and give them confidence this is the right organization it is going to live up to the expectations you had in the interview process etc i think can be super powerful so yeah that makes loads of sense to me yeah absolutely and um i think one one of the the public campaigns that we support with Storytagger um, was um, for Learning Technology Summer Forum. And we supported one of the big workshop sessions there. And it was about um, stories that we can learn from. And it was pulling, getting, asking learning and development professionals. So kind of a lot of people would all recognize they're talking about how they've made mistakes in their professional journeys, things they've done wrong, things they've, um, they, they learned from in, in their own roles. And I, yeah, I think with storytelling, it, um, it, it helps people be a little bit more open, perhaps a little bit more vulnerable about some of the stuff that they've done because it wraps into that narrative. It's that hero's journey, isn't it? You know, it's kind of, this is what I wanted to do. This is how it really went wrong. This is how I learned my way out of it. And now um, I've, 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 I've really benefited from um, all that, you know, stuff that I didn't do well in the past. And um, so when you bring it into that, context that framing around storytelling then when you look specifically at onboarding then people will be honest like oh my god yeah i i i i the first week was horrific it was so hard i felt i was totally out of um my, my comfort zone da, 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 da. and then and i, then I changed the corner <laughs> yeah and that's it absolutely and right. you, can, you can wrap those stories into those kind of moments that matter in the employee journey um and 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 you know, help people not make those same mistakes as well. We see it in uh, like some of the business schools that we support as well. Um, MBA students going for their first interview at Google or Facebook who've never done anything like that before. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, some of them screw up really badly because they weren't prepared for it. And they share those experiences, they pay forward. So other people going through that um, don't make those mistakes, but they're also actively reflecting on what they did and what they're going to do better next time. And, and, and that uh, embeds future success in, in themselves as well. Yeah, and it, it made me, when you were talking earlier, it made me think about, you know, again, kind of a bit of my acting background. Why would you ever do something live? It's like, never do live TV, especially with kids and pets, right? And it's like, this gives you an opportunity to practice it, trial it, get the best version of it, come across in the way that you really want it to come across as well. So in lots of ways, it really supports people to have more psychological safety, I suppose, and kind of know that they can get the best version, something they're comfortable with in a way that's going to portray them well or, or portray their views well as well, which I think is, I think is really great. You talked about something very interesting for me earlier about advocacy. So um, can you just talk to me a little bit more about that? Do you, who, who needs to be the advocates and, 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 and in what ways? Um, so uh, quite a few of the teams um, who use StoryTagger um, use it as part of their... Um, so you, you're either getting subject matter experts to create content that can go directly into programs, um, which is really effective and efficient way of being able to um, reduce production times, work more closely with your subject experts, 
help them feel feel involved sort of developing their skills a little bit further as well um but also getting stakeholders um ambassadors for the business goals uh that that, that are being addressed in the learning program to talk about the impact of you as an individual learning this stuff and doing it better and doing it differently, how that is going to impact the customer, your team, the business as a whole. And that sits on the front end of the learning program. So you're not reading um, a paragraph of copy just about this is this is what this learning program contains and this is why you must do it. Um, you've, you've got someone who you recognize from the business talking about this is why it's important. This is why we have to do it. This is what our competition is doing. This is why customers expect it. And, and, and giving the why contextualizing your kind of own activity around the bigger picture. Great, I love that. And, and, and kind of dovetailing into another subject, but we talk a lot about the fact that digital learning is actually so much more inclusive as well, right? Because everybody can get it at the point of need, on demand, you don't have to be in the room to have heard it, everybody can contribute, but also you just get so many different voices, don't you? So I know we talked a little bit in the past about just the power of the employee voice and really how do you promote that more? Um, and that can have a huge impact on employee brand and why people join you and why people stay and how engaged they feel and how aligned they feel. So, yeah, any any more kind of around that and the employee voice? And, and obviously it seems like an obvious connection, right? But anything that we might be missing or, or not thinking about? Well, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is that uh, as consumers in, in, in wider society, we're used to seeing people creating content themselves all the time. Now that, you know, is the dance moves on tiktok people sharing stories of um consumer experience and stuff like that so culturally we are seeing a lot of people communicating with us directly through these platforms sharing their stories so it's kind of a bit weird in work where we're not necessarily seeing that same thing and the reason is it's quite hard for people to think about how they're going to contextualize their experiences and share those stories through a workplace lens and as i mentioned earlier it feels like a bigger stage to step up onto as well you've got you know your your reputation um the the kind of persona you're trying to create at work your career path and stuff like that so um you, you don't want to do anything that's going to risk um future success so often it's easier not to do anything so that's why we haven't had a lot of this stuff in the workplace because it feels quite difficult for people to do so putting that scaffolding and support in there helps employees talk about all sorts all sorts of things around around the employee experience and i think helping people connect through stories whether it's um, you know, celebration days like International Women's Day. Um, and, and one of our customers, City and Guilds, did a really fantastic uh, celebration of International Women's Day where they were able to reach out to people across their global um, workforce in a way that they hadn't previously been able to and getting people to share stories of why it matters to them. And they, they got all kinds of voices supporting that. Yeah. Made a really good montage. Um, and, and, and that went out. And that was, that was a fantastic representation of what their brand means to employees and what it feels like to work there and how everybody is um you know celebrated and and, and respected it's such a good kind of cultural audit of a business as well isn't it you know I, I remember when I was doing consultancy work going and talking to you know the kind of the frontline staff the managers the senior managers getting a real kind of sense of you know how aligned are people are the are the stories quite similar are there different experiences you know it's it's such an interesting way of of kind of getting a real flavor of that. Um, what, um, I suppose there's one bit that it feels maybe a bit remiss that we haven't talked about is really in specific, you know, very kind of um, traditional 
L and D, you know, skill building and and technical skills. How does the platform or how does this methodology help with that specifically as well? I I think around the um, the, the, the the soft or the people durable skills. Yeah. Um, there's 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 a lot of stuff wrapped into actually sharing your experiences and 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 and, and knowledge. Um, so helping people, well, I mean, just become better um storytellers that's 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 a big one um, and that, a... that that feeds into um a kind of elevator pitch personal why sharing information um getting people to kind of engage with stuff that you 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 want to amplify across a business i think everybody at every level really benefits from that i mean i've i've, I've heard stories of um, well i mean back when i used to take a camera crew out i've seen senior leaders crumble in front of a camera um and and people have had a similar um uh, kind of reaction to filming stories themselves as well but when they're doing it in a personal space and they've got that yeah. safety and they can just do it again and again um they they are able to practice their communication skills they're able to practice being more impactful talking to the point being more succinct and a lot of these digital communication skills which are very different to how we communicate in the real world can be practiced and developed through this asynchronous storytelling but in a very safe space where you're not doing it in front of other people um, who you know or don't know you can you can you can do it yourself and you can be the judge of uh you know how far you've progressed in that until you're happy to the point where you can where you can share that so uh, that that really helps people develop confidence and enables them to practice some of this stuff out in in in, in the flow of work really um, where you know they don't have to go and do a do a course or a, a program in a classroom or anything like that they can they can just practice it in in their own time and with the value that comes off that um, content that they're sharing as well. I remember um, Gary Vaynerchuk talked about, you know, if you create video content, it's the king because you can then use it in so many different ways. You can turn it into a podcast. You can, having spoke about it more kind of naturally or confidently, it allows you to really work out how you might distill that down into something which is like a one pager or something. And I think that's so true. Like often I will even just record something myself or do a video and that'll allow me to turn something into something that I then send out on email or just that practice of just speaking naturally. Uh, I think other things come out that if you're kind of stiff and worried and you're in front of people or you're in front of a camera, things just seize up, right? And yeah. and your natural creativity, I suppose, and, and things that you get passionate about just don't come out in quite the same way. So I'm, I'm a big fan of just using video as a practice board almost as much as an output sometimes. Absolutely. And the real benefit you get through from that is the natural language that, that, mm -hmm. that comes through as well. And people can be a little bit more open um, about what they're sharing as well. They're doing it on their own asynchronously through the kind of probably the digital device that they trust the most. Um, so you can ask people, well, how did that make you feel? How did that impact your team? Um, what were you really worried about before you started doing that? And asking some personal questions that might be difficult to surface in a traditional interview format uh, that people are more comfortable talking about when they're just doing it on their own in a, in a space that they've picked themselves at a time they've selected, um, they, 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 they'll share things in a more natural way, like you say. And for the viewer, when you're hearing that real 
authentic language so you know if you're thinking about guys on the front line talking about how they um you know kind of interact with plant machinery or health and safety and stuff like that and they're using the language that you recognize in your own work environment it hasn't been tightly curated or polished then um it's like my story with the butcher you know um those those story sticks they feel really authentic very real and you've got that trust of the person talking as your subject expert it's it's not being filtered through different lenses it's it's that subject expert talking to you directly well i think that's that's another great point as well as it is if you're ever thinking you know from a learning design perspective i would always go to the audience first and um, I know Phil's in the in the audience. So we did a webinar recently about you know thinking about being almost like a product designer and thinking about how you create learning for your end audience. And again, I think you're talking about using natural language, using language that people understand, having voices that might be similar to those people. It's going to have a much bigger impact in them engaging with that learning or engaging with that topic. So again, I think just having that variety makes makes so much sense to me. And. Um, I'm mindful of the time and also the fact that we did a a poll at the very start of here. I wonder if we could get the poll results up and just see, you know, based on what we've been talking about, what are some of the other things that people have most been saying? Um, Okay, great. Thank you. So what are the things that are stopping your SMEs creating videos? And so it's not too much administration, uh, nervousness, um, Mm. editing and file management. So once you've actually got the good assets, what do you do with that? And um, those are the big ones that are coming out. Well, in fact, those are the only ones that are coming out. So how how could we address those um, two particular ones, Carl? I think yeah. we talked a bit about nervousness, maybe, but but maybe the editing and the file management. Like, what do you do with the video once it's once it's created? Well, I mean, I th- I, I think it's so it's so important to make people feel comfortable about about doing this. Um, if you don't make people feel comfortable and confident and seeing the value in sharing their their, their workplace stories, then you're not going to have any editing to do yeah, in, 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 in in the first place. So having a real purpose, having clear value for as i say everybody uh, kind of involved and, and communicating that effectively is is really important um around the file i mean a, a lot of people i speak to have done this in in in, in two ways they've just gone out to people and said record as a video um they've typically been ghosted or um the content that's come back has just taken a lot of editing because i mean i think anyone out there who has ever edited an interview before will appreciate that that I think that is some of the hardest video editing to do because if people are just free flowing and talking in quite an unstructured way to edit that into something that's concise that delivers value to the viewers and is short um, is, is really hard edit and it takes a lot of time you end up with lots of jump cuts and you have to think very carefully about which bits you're going to keep which bits you're going to leave that's a hard job um, and also, if you're just doing a regular interview and having something like this, um, editing um, a, a kind of two people talking can be quite hard as well. It looks easy, but when it actually gets down to creating a piece of content at the end of it, which is going to, again, deliver value in a bite-sized format, that, that has historically been really hard. And then you've got video files are horrible, aren't they? You know, they're sort of like really big. Um, you've got to be careful how you curate, curate them. So you can't really use consumer-grade mat- tools in an enterprise environment because your InfoSec team will kind of go into tailspins if they, <laughs> and they're, they and they're, and they're really 
expensive a lot of them as well right it's like oh, they, 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 they can be as well but you yeah. need to know where the content's being hosted and um, what personal information is being captured you know it has to be enter- enterprise grade and um you know and people really struggle with um i was speaking to a team uh yesterday and they'd done something similar and um you know getting people to transfer like we transfer and stuff like yeah. that and you know well we might be used to using that technology as like learning professionals kind of one with technology people uh, uh, normal people <laughs> they don't they haven't got a clue what what's we transfer what's yeah. a video file how do i do this and that becomes really hard so having everything just in one place where you have yeah. a repository that's searchable and it just takes all of that um stress away from being able to use content like this and and i should pause to make it easy for editing afterwards um carl because i run straight into your next point but um in terms of story tagger and and learnem obviously at the moment we're two separate systems we've talked about how we could get integrate that uh, that ecosystem so important how systems might talk together but at the moment, still very easy to export content out of Storytagger and upload it into, into a system like ours. So there's there's not really any kind of effort or, or friction there, particularly. And um, last question from me, Storytagger over the next 12 months and, and storytelling, are there any particular trends that people need to kind of look out for? Are there any things that you think are just going to become bigger issues for businesses or... Do you think kind of going back to the workplace is going to make storytelling less important? What what, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I it, it's 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 a really interesting question. I I, I think the skills piece is is going to be um, increasing in priority over, over the next three years. Um, we we haven't really got um, that many great solutions for helping people develop some of these um, power skills, soft skills, people skills in. The, in the workplace, in, in the flow of work. Um, uh, now, storytelling doesn't address all of those, but it does help some of them. And I think some of the things around kind of emotional empathy, helping people connect in the hybrid workplace, um, definitely sharing innovation and stopping more knowledge silos appearing. You know, we've struggled with knowledge silos um, for a <laughs> long time, and the hybrid workplace risks making more, creating creating more of them if people don't feel there's a culture of sharing their knowledge and not keeping everything close to, the, to their chest. Because while people are working in separate physical spaces, that risks making that um, more of a, of, of, of a challenge. So I, I know I, I even, even if the hybrid workplace kind of moves back into the office, um, just because of the virtue of fact, not everybody is going to be there. We have to find ways of helping people connect and synchronous just cannot be the well i imagine everybody on this call has realized that synchronous um communication is 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 not a magic bullet to helping people keep connected where we're all working in different places so asynchronous is is going to be a really important tool to to master and 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 scale across how we're delivering and curating learning experiences i think that's so true and i think people being at home as well they've they've themselves also been a bit more exposed like managers are asking them what's the impact of what you've been doing like what's your update and we talk about that a lot in learn everybody having their voice and everybody doing updates about what's going on in their roles sharing successes you know talking about challenges so collectively you can deal with them together all of those things i think play really nicely into into what you guys do at Storytagger. Very excited to have you guys as partners. I've really enjoyed this session as well. And last thing for me, Carl, if people want to get in touch and they want to find out more about Storytagger, what's the best way to do so? Um, 
come and connect with me on LinkedIn, Carl Hodler on LinkedIn, easy to, easy to find, or drop me an email if you'd like to um, find out a bit more about StoryTagger, maybe even get a demo, um, just carl at storytagger.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'm, I'm really happy to share a little more on the platform and how it works. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and same for obviously Learner. If you want to know how these two tools work really nicely together, there's so much synchronicity around things like democratizing learning, user generated stories. Uh, we'd love to talk to you as well. So yeah, Joe at Learner or come through and connect with me as well. 